Hi, welcome to This Is Your Book Club podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jamie. Welcome back. We're here to blow your mind. What's on your shelf? With all the books you need to be reading. Or not. You will find or out. Or not. Yeah. Good point. Right? Sometimes we're talking about the books you should avoid. Yes. Like the plague. Right? Don't read this book. Dun, dun, dun. I'm foreshadowing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. But before before we do that. Book club. Book club. Well, book club pick. We need a Richard Powers. Fact. Do you want to know more about him? Bewilderment is the book for this month. I know nothing about him. I know nothing about him as well. I know only the synopsis of our book. Which sounds fantastic. Yes, it does. Right? Yes, it does. So when I read his biography on his website, um, which is probably the longest biography I've ever read on a website. So I'm not going to read all of it to you today. It is lengthy. Well, um, how old is he? Has he have a lot? Has he lived enough to he make is, it that long? He was born in 1957. Okay. So. He's been around the block, but not that 60? old. 60? Okay. Maybe almost 60. I don't know math. I read. Um, okay. I could figure that one out, but I'm not going to. Well, he's like 70. He's 20 years older than me. 54, Yeah. Because So, yeah, he's 60. I was born in 77. He's born in 57. So, that's 20 years. So, he's quite a bit older than me. He has been a kid on the block for a long time. And yeah. Not a new kid. An old kid on the block. So, he's lived a life. He's lived a life. He is quite an academic. So, he's got a lot of information in that head that he has poured out into novels. So... Only novels, or does he write like nonfiction? I wonder. I'm mm. curious now. I don't know. I know a fun fact for he's another got day. Over 13 novels. So wow. I'll have to look into what they all are. He is listed as a sci fi writer. Okay. When I've read other biographies on him. So, okay. Um, this biography is excerpted, excerpted from Understanding Richard Powers by Joseph Dewey. So there is a book, a biography written what? about Richard Powers. No. Yes. Why? Obviously. How often? I know, right? Do they make biographies about authors? Like That another author writes a biography about an author. I mean, he could write his own biography. Why, why, why isn't he doing his own else? memoir or an autobiography? That's weird. Anyway, here you go. It's either going to really make you want to read this book or steer clear. But hang worried. with us because the book sounds good. Here we go. Powers's characters themselves shift between the impulse to connect and its inevitable crash and burn. Between the em Emersonian urge to embrace the difficult ad lib of the world and the Dickinson-esque need to recoil from its evident bruising into the supple sanctuary of the aesthetic enterprise to withdraw into the secured refuge of a novel, a piece of music, a movie house, a museum, even cyberspace. What? Although long reluctant to encourage the distraction of biography, Powers has lived, like his characters, sustained within a curiously similar geography. What? What? <laughs> um, never quite at home, never quite comfortable with belonging, shifting between engagement and escape. Powers was born 18 June 1957 in Evanston, Illinois, the fourth of five children, two older sisters, and a brother and one younger brother. Whoa. There's that. Yeah. 
Early on in the mid-1960s, his father, a high school principal with a working-class background, moved the family to the north Chicago suburb of Lincolnwood, an older neighborhood, Powers recalls, that was heavily Jewish. My sisters and brothers and I would be just about the only kids in school for the high holy days. Why does that matter? That is quite the introduction to his biography. I didn't understand the first part. Right. There were a um, lot. I, it the only is good thing written, is, is written. that that wasn't him who wrote it. Right. Nope. Nope. So... That just tells us the writing style he enjoys reading. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> because that was like a lot. It's that a was little, a lot. I've read a lot of author bios. Bio, bios on their websites. A lot. Every author I've ever read one of their books, I look them up and I find out their background. I love that. I yeah. love finding out where they came from, maybe give me an idea into the book a little bit. And so I've read a lot. Yeah. I've never quite read anything like this. Yeah. That is strange. That was and a strange. I've also read so many good things about his books. Yeah. No, this mind is an in-depth thinking mind. And it does go on to talk about he was very, very interested in the science and being a scientist, but he was frustrated in university because he had to pick one domain of science ah. and he wanted to study all of them. And then oh, he had cool. a um, professor instructor kind of pull him in. Cause he also was liked his writing classes and literature kind of pulled him in there and was like, you can study all these things and then use them in your art form and literature. And so that's kind of how he's melded his two interests together was to study it all. And then have control over what he studied and how he used it as a writer. Which That's that I cool. think is very, very cool. Yes, that is cool. But I just think he needs to maybe change his auto or his bio in his website. That's might make and me maybe, not want to read it. Right. But maybe it speaks to people who love science fiction. And we maybe. typically aren't there for That's science fiction. Very We're true. not That's true. It's not our number one, two, three, or four genre. Right. Right? Right. So I like to put myself out there a little bit and try different genres. And I think we've only ever read one other sci-fi book. So I think so, especially for book club. I mean, I maybe have read. Some here and there, but as book club picks. Only one. Only one. Yeah. So here you go. This seems to be two. It feels a little sci-fi, but also not. But really not. not. Yeah. I mean, I but don't know this is yet. A sci-fi I haven't writer. Yeah. started it, but the the synopsis of the book does kind of bring in some um, out of this world ideas. Yes, but it still feels like it's based in real life, right? That we could connect to some part of it, right? Just like dark matter was, you could connect to the family sense mm-hmm. and what he was doing and what he was trying to get back to. I that I can, yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually excited to get it. It's still so far out. I'm going to have to buy it, but we'll get there. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to buy it too. Yeah. I will, though. We will, and we will talk about it. Can't and wait. Yes. Okay. But today, today, Jamie. Yeah. What's on your shelf? You know, interesting you should ask that question. Is it? I'm so shocked. <laughs> 
I don't think anyone's ever asked me what I've been reading. <laughs> Funny. I, I said last night to my husband, I said, you know what? I've been reading a lot about, and I threw out a topic last night. And he's like, what? You? <laughs> been reading and i was just looking at him like oh you're being funny <laughs> like i thought you really don't know that i love to re-. he was being funny i know but it made me laugh my poor husband he'll like start talking about something he has views about it and i'm like no actually i just read a book about this and right. abc you don't understand right you should go read that and he's never gonna go read the book no he's reading you know he's catching clips of talk show things and i'm like no 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 you're missing no. the boat let me tell you there yeah. was a woman <laughs> and this happened to her can you imagine no we've got to do this anyway that's exactly and he's how just it goes like what i can't I'm, even talk to you i know a little bit about everything yes. because i read i know a lot I of know. historical fiction <laughs> i read yeah, a lot of non-fiction that is based yeah i feel like i'm all over the map like i have absolutely thrillers and like some of them are biographies, but they're not like it's more explaining someone's life. Like one I'm going to talk about today. Yeah. It's like a memoir, but I'm really just learning about a, a way of life. Yeah. Um, I think you'll find today that my picks are all over the place. Yeah, what I've like, been reading. I like women's lit. Yeah. I like historical fiction. I like all the things. Yeah. Self-help. Give me a I need bit. it all. Yeah. I have to mix it up. I'm We're like, oh, well-rounded. It can jump into any conversation oh, yeah. because of our reading. I'm like, what do you like to read? And I will find a book for you. Yeah. So my first book. Is? The Hot Zone. The Hot Zone. Now, this book has been around for a while. Can this I tell is nothing you what it new. sounds like? Yeah. It sounds like you're going to talk to me about, like, menopause. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, recommend me a good book about that. Because sometimes I'm like, have I, is this menopause? I don't even really know what menopause is. We talk about it, but I I don't really know know. that you might have a hot flash. Yeah, hot flashes. I might be on emotional or ornery, like extreme PMS, but I don't really know. I don't either. What to expect or when to expect. talk about it. It's like one of those things where they're like, Oh, it's just men, you know, it's just, yeah. and they don't want to focus on it. So they let what? it go. And I'm like, no, really? Wait, I want to be prepared. Did you just say that? Come talk to me more. And they won't. I want the book on menopause. It's got to be out there. It's anyway, <laughs> this book is not about menopause. <laughs> the Hot Zone, the terrifying true story of the origins of the Ebola virus. Ew. So cool. Was it? So cool. Oh my gosh. So cool. Now, that's crazy. This book came out in 1999. I read it. A while ago. Okay. A long, long, long time ago. Okay. But it's one of my favorites and I keep going back to it. Like, I just like to brush up on it and just, or just even go back and be like, what about, what was the information about that? And just read that section. I love this book. Okay. Now I have read some critiques on it that it was dramatized. Oh. That there were some discrepancies. I, I choose not to go down there because it's so... Such an exciting book. So, true story. There was an Ebola outbreak. And so, Ebola, super highly infectious. Okay. Highly infectious. Deadly virus. Um, It originated in Africa. And there is an outbreak in the United States. And so, as this book goes down and it's giving you the history of the outbreak, like step by step, 
what happened, then what happened, then what happened. And there's like this battle between like the government. So they have like the military control of viruses and the study of viruses and putting like they have a system in place of how to deal with weaponized viruses or when a virus hits, like they've got a system and a plan to go in place, Wow! but they're also fighting against the healthcare system that has their system in place and, and what they think they should do. And these two um, organizations don't work together. We hear that so much, just work together, but, and they kind of disagree on what the protocol should be anyway. So Ebola is discovered in the United States and, it turns into this big thing. And then they go down these, um, the history of Ebola. And there's these scientists that go to Africa and they're trying to find the origin of the Ebola virus. And so the whole time it's telling you, they go to like these little villages where they've had Ebola outbreaks and Ebola, the virus, like you're bleeding from your eyeballs. You're bleeding from all of your cells. Like Mm. it's ugly. And therefore, extremely contagious. Like the, the, what is it? The e the p PPE gear you have to put on to even oh. go into a room with someone with Ebola, right. and then you have to take that off and incinerate it, and just to not spread it. But you're in Africa where it's not highly sanitized work conditions anywhere in these anyways in these clinics but they go into they're trying to find what where this originated from which is super interesting because that's also with coronavirus we'd like to know where that originated from and there is belief that they did all this research in a cave high up on a mountain in africa wow and that it's bats in this cave or where this virus started. And then it kind of follows this guy who left Africa, got on a plane. And by the time he landed in Germany, he was like bleeding out with Ebola and had exploded. Anyway. Crazy. So crazy. And it has a lot to do with monkeys. And they bring monkeys over for research in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And so they're, these monkeys are kept in these cages in this laboratory in D.C., the capital of our country. And they've tested these monkeys and some of them have Ebola. And so they just like code 50, whatever the highest code is. <laughs> I don't know, code red. They're like tenting the building. They're wow. worried that there's going to be this big outbreak in Washington, D.C. Oh, my gosh. So such good. If it's fiction, if it's like dramatized or made. Thank you. It, it's yes, <laughs> exactly because it makes for a really good read. I feel like I read this, or maybe one that a fictional book based based on, on this story could be. because all the things you're saying, I'm like, yeah. That I mean, I would familiar. have been that in high school familiar. at the time, like when I'm thinking of the book that I'm thinking of. I'd have been yeah. in high school when I read it. 1999. I was in high school. Yeah, but I bought it on a trip to Europe, and so the cover I think is different. And it. Co- it could be different. I mean, they change up covers. Anyway, but I'm like, maybe I saw the movie, but I there is a movie. I looked is it up that, while you were talking. Oh, I haven't seen a movie. And it's, but I haven't seen the movie. Okay. So it, I must have read the book because it's got, it was, it came out, oh, it's a drama. It's two seasons. It's made into a season. It's called The Hot Zone. It came out in 2019. Oh, just recently. Yeah. So oh, no, right before I the pandemic seen too. That. What what um network is that on? Let's see. Does it say? 
National Geographic. Oh, so I give that some legitimacy if it's yeah. hit natu- National Geographic's. It looks very intense, actually. I gave this book five stars. Okay. I find it fascinating. Like I said, I read it years and years and years ago, and I pull it up every once in a while. Like, I'll talk to someone. What brought it up this week is I listened to the podcast, um, this, pod- this podcast will kill you. It's two virologists, both of their names are Aaron, and they mm-hmm. just talk about the history of diseases or viruses or bacteria. And they talk about how they were treated in history and how they're treated now and where the science was and where it is now. Well, my daughter, who's 12, wanted podcasts on her phone so she could start listening to it because she heard me listening to some in the car. Oh, my god! And so she's been like binging. They've been out for over two years and episodes every other week on different diseases. And she is binging it. And so I, she'll have her oh headphones gosh. in and I'll be like, ooh, what are you listening to now? And she's like, Ebola. And I was like, oh, my, let's pull. So I pulled the book out and I'm like, read this, read this. And we were just went down a little rabbit oh hole about gosh, Ebola. So, so talk about my mini me. I love that. Diseases. I love diseases. Oh, I, talk I mean, to my kids about I just want to know them. more about them. I don't love them or want them. I just <laughs> I want to know everything about either. them. I find it fascinating. It is very and so. Ava does as well. That so we were cool. talking Ebola this week. And so we were talking about this book and it got me reading up on it. Just and just like sticks. Yeah. And I just, I've never talked about it here and just wanted to throw that one out. Oh, good start. My goodness. The hot zone. All right. Oh, and I don't think I told you the um, author. author, Richard Preston. So the hot zone by Richard Preston. Awesome. Very good. Sarah, what have you been reading? Well, mine isn't that exciting to start. Well, Ebola. Ebola. It's not You really Ebola. can't compete. <laughs> I am going to tell you about my Got first another? book. I sure do. Okay. My first book is The Last House on the Street by Diane Chamberlain. I love Diane Chamberlain. Ooh, yes, you do. I've read a lot of hers. Um, she's one of my favorite historical fiction authors. Uh-huh. And this one is fun. This one takes place in North Carolina. Okay. Um, it sounds so familiar. I've got to look at new. it. It's new. Is it? Okay. Yes. So this one just oh, came I out. I haven't even seen the cover. In January. <gasps> this month? Yeah. Like this is brand new. Ooh. I put it on hold before it was even available because I know been that waiting for she's it for a long wonderful time. and I love her. Yes. But once it became available, I got it quite quickly. Sweet. Yeah, it was great. So this this one um, takes place in North Carolina, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a young woman. She's in college, like second year of college, um, who grew up in the 50s when um, – I want to make sure I got the year right, but they don't really talk about the year. Yeah, it's like the time of civil rights where they're trying to move civil rights forward. And she's very interested in equality and equal rights for all people, Mm -hmm. mostly because she had an aunt who lived with them growing up Mm -hmm. who was from New York and she was very progressive. And so she was constantly putting ideas into her head about, you know, looking at people as humans. Like, what if you were them? What would it be like to be them? Rather than, um, you know, judging for differences. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so she always kind of had that in the back of her mind. And they had a housekeeper who was black and 
She had a daughter that she would occasionally bring with her when there wasn't school. And she would play with this little black girl. And she was simple. It was mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, so she had some mental disabilities. And so she didn't always, she, it was, other kids were hard on her. Okay. Because of this. But um, our main character really loved her. Kayla is her name. Because she just always was kind. And she just always had fun. And she was always smiling and happy. And it was it was easy to be around her. Yeah. So she loved playing with her. And one of the things that they loved to do was um, go down to a lake in the backyard. They had a big, they had a lot of property and they would uh-huh. go play at the lake. Anyway, something happened at the lake and she always felt responsible because this mm. little girl died at the lake. And you don't really know what happened, but you know she died. And Kayla never really let that go. She felt very responsible and she cared about her and she looked at her like ha- watched her mother who was their housekeeper just the devastation when she lost just like any mother would be and i think it just really humanized these people for her this awful experience yeah. okay and so she's always just wanted to do more she wanted to make it right and so she, any chance she got to help in one way or another she would take it and um she gets the opportunity well she kind of makes her way into this group that is trying to get help black people become registered to vote. So you kind of watch her. Yeah. You kind of watch her go into, and she stays in her home town, but now she's helping and you have to, a part of the requirements is you live with the families that you're trying to help. So she's sleeping in the homes of black families and she's, you know, and, and her community is very angry about it because they're one of she's one of theirs. Yeah. The rest of the people that are participating in this group are all from northern colleges that are coming down and helping black people get registered. And it's and very she's from right there in the town. And so that really causes a stir. Now, what Diane huh. Chamberlain is great at is jumping back and forth between past and present and tying all of those things together. And so in the meantime, there's a woman that you're following in in present time uh-huh. who is whose husband recently died his they're building a home and she's you know do i move into this home and you're watching her experience as she's there's someone trying to discourage her from moving into this new home that they've just built in north carolina and all these awful things are happening to her like just one example rats in the trees dead rats in the trees okay Awful, awful things. in the trees? Yes. And lots of things are happening. Just people are just don't want her to live there. Don't want her there. And she doesn't necessarily know if she wants to be there because her husband has died. All these things. But so you're jumping back and forth between this, you know, who's trying to get her to move and how is this woman faring? And it's super interesting. And it's crazy the way it is all tied up. I will say the first half for me was a little bit slow. It wasn't um, my usual jump in, Diane Chamberlain, like get caught up. Right. Yeah. But once we got to that point and it's things started to come together, it was crazy. Like wow. Diane does a great job tying and weaving a story, like yeah. past and present. And it was super, all the things. Yeah. It was all the things awesome. that I love about her. I so love her too. I gave That's it three stars. Definitely worth reading. Um, and definitely, like, definitely is Diane Chamberlain. But yeah. if you wanted to see my favorites of hers, you could see the ones I've rated higher. Awesome. higher. But definitely but it was still a good. great one. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. 
My next one that I just finished is called The Light of Days. It's by Judy Battalion. And it's um, the full title is The Light of Days, The Untold Story of Women Resistance Fighters in Hitler's Ghettos. Hmm. Sarah. That's heavy. It was so heavy. Hmm. It's hard. Like this is nonfiction. This is like, I think there are some, like the main character was a, a real woman who was a resistance fighter at the time. Other oh. characters are woven together, true stories taken from journals, taken from different writings, but maybe put together to create a story. But largely this, these are true facts. These are things that happened. Um, Poland in world war two to Polish, to the Jews. Oh my gosh. And I, I know we've talked about this so many times, uh, overwhelming amount of historical fiction books are about world war two. Yes. It's it seems to be the only subject it's kind of hard. <laughs> that historical yeah. fiction writers like to write about. However, I'm not saying it's not important to read about it or to know about it. It's just so hard. Yeah. This is horrific. When they talk about some of the things that these women witnessed, that women, children, and men during this time witnessed on the streets, oh. outside their house, to innocent human beings, men, women, children, it just, it almost just took my breath away as I was reading this. Like, I can't even imagine one human treating another human like that. Over and over again in these books, you hear even more things or different things and you think, could it, it get any worse? Yeah, that's And awful. they're still, it's just hard to swallow. So it's a hard one. This is a hard one. But also, a lot of hope. So it's, these resistance fighters who are trying to, they're in the ghettos, they're in Krakow, is that, I think that's how you pronounce it, where there's the uprising and they try to fight back. And there's Polish that are not Jewish and Polish that are Jewish. Mm -hmm. All together is this resistance group. So some are Jewish and some are not, but they are these fighters that get together and they are creating these underground networks, villages that are underground. They are in the tiniest little crevices of the city to hide and live. And they are passing food into the ghettos. They are getting guns and building up ammunition because they're a resistance fighter. They are oh going to fight. Gosh. Like they are learning how to put together guns from old guns, like piece together things, how to get bullets and which guns they fit, how to get weapons, how to get documents for people, fake documents for people, um, hiding people. Like the, the genius behind what they're pulling off and the threat to their lives is, I mean, I'm not going to say specially. I, those who are Polish and not Jewish that didn't have to do this, but they right. did it because it was the right thing to do was to help another human being when so many people at this time are not because their lives yeah. are at risk. And I don't blame them either. Right. Everyone's just like, I've got to live and survive for my family. If you try to make the best choice for yourself 
At the time. At the time, exactly. But there are those that see it happening and say, this isn't right. And I'm going to help and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight. And it's amazing. It is beautiful. And one thing that I really, really liked about this is it followed um, a few of them, a few of these people later on in life, their kids and their grandkids. This author goes and interviews the grandkids to find out more about them. And this author talks about her history and her family and how she became a writer for this specific subject and the struggles that she has, how long it took her to write this book, because you can't write and study all this stuff day in and day out. It's too heavy. She's like, I'd have to walk away from it. And, or I can't be the mom I need to be here and now. I can't be the human I need to be here and now because it's just so awful. So it took her years and years to write this book for her own mental health, her own physical health. And she talks a lot about that in the research of it, going and interviewing families and finding out the history after the war of these families and the the generational trauma, the um, health issues that these people tended to have afterwards and the demons they continued to live with after, or even how they raised their kids based off of what they've experienced. It was so good. Wow. Fascinating. Hard. Mm. A really good one. If you listen to Sharon Says So, this is her book club book we for right now. Sharon. I love a little Sharon. So she chose this book um, for the book club she has going right now. And so that's why I read it. I, I, it was, I gave it four stars. Awesome. The Light of Days by Judy Battalion. Okay. That was a really good one. All right. The next book I'm going to talk about is A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Ooh. It's like. I haven't heard of this. Have you seen this cover? No. It's gone around. Like, I, I'm finally Deadly getting education. it. It came out in 2020, but I've been like, it's been on my list for a while. Okay. It's what? a fantasy. Okay. That's why it's not on my list. I was just going to say. <laughs> I think that's why. It. I like I like I said I need a little we bit need of something. fantasy yeah I need absolutely. a little bit of everything this get us out my... of this real world ugliness and mm-hmm. let's go someplace sometimes I love them and sometimes I'm like yeah no um, yeah this one was one that I really liked it's um it's a fun one it's about this school where you learn to do magic okay you have magic lines. It's so different. It's not a Harry Potter. Okay. It's not a happy magic school. Mm. So you basically go to this school and just hope to be alive when it's time for you to graduate. Because it will eat you. Ah. The school like has things that can get in and they it's attracted to magic. And so, you know, th- these things, these creatures that we would never see if yeah. we're not magic, they don't, they're not. It's almost like you would be blind to each other. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you have magic, then it's attracted to you and it will find you and they're, they're monsters and whatever. And you can do magic to try to like get away, but it's also very difficult to do. Generally, you don't survive. It takes a lot of re- being really smart with magic to, to survive. do that. But they've decided to put people together for a school. Okay. Because they've found that the learning progresses really well so there's there when they're with each other and can learn from each other right okay 
So, sense. but it's also like kind of there. It's kind of a game in that you have to decide. Like, well, I'd rather you die than me, and so you might use. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So there's a little bit they of got jockeying. a little bit of Hunger Games in here. Yeah, there's a little. Yeah, okay. There's a little <laughs> jockeying about like who you're going to sit by because they might do something good for you. you. You know, you're basically trading favors, you're trading magic, mm-hmm. spells, and that kind of thing. Like, what are you good at? What can you share? What can you do for someone else? And and you watch this one girl who's kind of an outcast, and she's just trying to survive. She mm-hmm. just is going to lie low and hopefully make it out. And um, she there's there is a guy there who is into magic, and he saves her life. One day, and she hates it because she doesn't want to owe him anything. Anything, not even. And it's for annoying her to her, sick. and so she's like, "Got to repay him." So she's trying to repay him, and anyway, it's very interesting because he saves a lot of people, and so everybody loves him, and mm-hmm. she doesn't, and he can't figure it out. And so there's this little bit of romance going on, but that's very small part of it. It's mostly just her explaining this school and. And at first I was kind of like, yeah, this is weird. And I couldn't quite, it took me a minute yeah. to kind of like really understand the school the s- and the way yeah. it worked and where we were going with this. And once I got into that, which really didn't take me very long, once I got it, it was like, I was totally hooked. I loved it through the end. It's quirky. It's weird magic. It's fun. It's fun. That's I loved it. I gave it four stars. And I definitely would say, if you're a fantasy person, this is a great book. This okay. is definitely one that, like, a fantasy lover is going to – it's, like, a must-read, must right? Read for that genre. For that genre. A lot like of people love that love genre. Fantasy, I think then I'm I a see, unique – Yeah. Like, if you don't love fantasy, yeah. Well, it's a fantasy. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't like it. But if you are a fantasy person, or if you just like a fantasy here and there like me, yeah. that's more, I think, where I lie, um, this is worth it. Like, this is one that would be – a good pick to just get a fantasy in because you need a break from the other stuff. Fantastic. What's the title again? It's called A Deadly Education mm-hmm. by Naomi Novik. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. I'm going back to one that I read a while ago and I have some reasoning. So stick here with me. Okay. The Woman in the Window by oh. A.J. Finn. <laughs> You've read it? I love that book so much. Oh, so good. It was I so good. read this book, I think, in like 2018. But the reason it came up right now is because so The Woman in the Window by AJ Finn. Let me just talk a little about it. So there's this woman, and she lives alone in her home. Never comes out. Never goes outside, like agoraphobic. Cannot step a foot outside. Um, she is so she just is at home staring out the window all day. And she's watching the world watching outside. everybody else live their lives, but she can't live her life. And she's hearing some things in her house. She's um kind of like losing paranoid, her mind. kind of losing her absolutely losing her mind. You kind of mind. get that impression, don't yes. you? Yes. And you think she's yeah, she just can't get outside. She drinks wine all day long <laughs> in her house. She's watching her neighbors. She's watching in their windows. She's watching in their front yards. She's watching in their cars. She's just watching everybody. She has nothing else to Literally do. everybody else watching them live their lives. Um, some new people move in across the street and she's like really, it, they appear to be this perfect family. She's really just keeping her eye on them and it 
doesn't appear so perfect to her. She's seeing things. Is she seeing things? Hmm. hmm. She's thinking she's seeing things. You've got to read it to see if it's she so really. Good. It's really a good um, suspense thriller. Now, the reason that I'm talking about it this now, because if you haven't read it, you need to go read it. Yes. AJ Finn, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic sure. suspense thriller. Love the author. I've read, I think that a cat, the woman in cabin 10 is the same author. Love that one. Um, yeah. Is it that? Oh, no, that's Ruth Ware. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This is his only book. Is that his only book? No. Be shocked. According. I thought there were Goodreads, more. This is his book. Maybe it's the only one he'll ever have to read because it was, or write, because it was so good that it, he'll live the rest of his life off of the money Well, you made. know what? A.J. <laughs> Finn, write more. I thought you had written more. I thought this was the author of A, a Woman in Cabin 10. That was Ruth Ware. I should give credit where credit is due. You need to come out with another book, 2018? Come yes, on, where please. are you? I'm going to do some research on that. Anyway, the reason that this is this was brought to my attention is because there is a new Netflix series. And I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of shows, even on Netflix, not even over the air TV, but just um, in general, I don't watch a lot of shows. Right. But I was cruising through Netflix just to see kind of what was up, if there was anything that I was interested in, if I was going to watch anything. And this came up under um, Trending Now. And it's called, this series, it's called The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. And I saw that title and I was like, what the heck is that? Dumbest title for a show I've ever heard. <laughs> no, thank you. It is a really big title. And I just passed right on and didn't think anything of it, but it just stuck in my head. And I'm then I start thinking, is this a making of The Woman in the Window? Well, why would they name it The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window? Maybe they didn't get permission to make it, so they're kind of mixing it up. That's what my brain thought, is like, they had to title it something else because they didn't get rights from A.J. Finn. To make this into a screenplay. I don't know what my brain thinks in the middle of the night, but that's what it thought. Uh-huh. So then I start watching it and I'm like, there's no way this title can be true, can be real. Okay. And then some things start coming up in this show that I was like, because it really is a murder mystery. It's about a woman in a house who drinks a lot of wine, who just stares out the window at her neighbors. Should new neighbors move in? Is this sounding familiar? Right. Yes, it is. So I'm thinking, oh, they've just not gotten the rights. No, it is a total satire on suspense thrillers. Oh my god. Who done it? Books, movies. I have got to watch this. What I love about it is you're watching it and it really is a good suspense thriller who done it. But then also poking fun at all the commonalities of this type of a story. She drinks a ton of wine. She has from a past trauma a phobia and her phobia is um 
Amborophobia. I think that's what it's called. The fear of rain. The fear of rain. So every time something happens where she needs to leave the house to help, it starts raining and she like passes out in the middle of the street. She's always taking a casserole in an old school like casserole dish to a neighbor. Like all these just funny and it builds like these, the satire kind of builds as the season goes on. I binged it all in one day. So go read The Woman in the Window and then go watch. And it's Kristen Bell. I love Kristen Bell. I love Kristen Bell. Oh my gosh. And she's so good in it. She's so fun. She is really fun. She, she, she pulls it off because it is serious. It is a drama thriller. But then she also puts these funny little pokes at the genre in there. And it it is really well done. Fantastic. The woman in the window across the... Oh, the I don't know. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Oh, my gosh. Whatever that title okay. is, read and then go watch. Okay, but wait. Okay. I will wait. While you're chatting and we're talking. Yeah. I hurried and looked up. What's happened to AJ Finn? <gasps> Oh my gosh. No. No, this is crazy. Okay. Are you ready? What? Something else crazy? So, best sell. He goes by the name. He goes, his pseudonym is AJ Finn. His actual name is Dan Mallory. Okay. He was outed for being a liar. What? And, okay, just get this. Whoa. He told people for years and years that he had brain cancer and was like undergoing treatment for brain cancer never had brain cancer no wore an eye patch because he lost his eyesight from brain cancer not real no way yes what for real he told people that he got his doctorate from oxford which he did complete a master's there but he and he entered the doctorate program but never completed the courses or turned in his doctorate um what is it like called? His thesis. His thesis. Never, never submitted anything. No way. He worked as a book editor for a lot of years, and he used this story of brain cancer to like get days off, to like whatever, to get promotions. He, no joke. So they say Ooh. he has a long history of like making up stories. People, ah. yes. No way. And let me see when this well, article came out. Well, that's dang too bad because he's a great author. Yeah. So this article came out um, a year after he oh came gosh. out with his book, A Woman in yeah. the... I wonder if it, like, shame or whatever has just yeah. stopped him from Holy writing. Holy cow. Holy cow. Right? That's... Like, fascinating that is i know that's why i'm like wait wait we can't move on i have to talk about this so it's like though the new yorker confirmed that his parents and three siblings are all alive it claimed mallory had told people in publishing that his mother had died of cancer and his brother had killed himself and in his college acceptance or entrance application to start his doctorate at new college oxford Mallory wrote that his entire family was dead as an explanation for his grades while completing his master's degree. What? This is like a crazy story. Right? You can't make this stuff up. Who does that? Oh my gosh. And it says, Craig Rain, former professor of English literature at New College, 
said that Mallory had written the essays as fact and of having had a brain tumor in the past that sort of cleared up. Wow. So he says, in a statement responding to the New Yorker article, Mallory confirmed he had never had cancer, saying he had used the illness to disguise his struggles with bipolar disorder. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, my Nothing wrong with bipolar disorder. Own it. Right. And get, take care of it. But- Sorry, There's you a whole can't fake cancer. You yeah. can't fake cancer. That's the low of the low. That's yeah. just... I mm. felt intensely ashamed of my psychological struggles. They were my scariest, most sensitive secret. And for 15 years, even as I worked with psychotherapists, I was utterly terrified of what people would think of me if they knew that, that they'd conclude I was defective in a way that I should be able to correct. Or worse still, that they wouldn't believe me. Dissembling seemed the easier path. Wow. But lying about cancer, it's hard to... Uh, I'm understanding of mental health. Is that crazy? But can't he... Oh my gosh. Like this is... Like it sounds like for years and years and years, he's had quite a few um, stories up his sleeve. Well... An author in real life and an author on page. Right. There you go. That's crazy. I know. Now you know. Like Fun fact. And it's not even our book club book pick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Welcome to What's on Your Shelf yes. with Sarah and Jamie. Holy moly. We'll find all the news for all you. All the ins. Wow. I just was like, oh, I wonder if we can, maybe there's a book on the way that we can be looking forward to. That's what I thought, thought I would we find. we would find. When I looked at that up. But reality is... I don't think there's a book. I don't think there's going to be a book. I don't know that you can come back from lying about cancer. I know. But it probably would make a really good TV show. It really, yeah. Maybe he could do like a documentary. The life of him. I know. Anyway. Huh. Fascinating. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. That is fascinating. All right. Hey, Sarah. Do you got another one? For my last book, I think this will be the last one for Mm -hmm. me today is Hillbilly Elegy, A Memoir of a Family and Culture in Crisis by J.D. Vance. Have you read this one, Jamie? I have read this one. It's been out for a while. Fantastic. So good. A good read. And I believe there's a Netflix. There very well could be. It came out in 2016. Uh Let's find out if there is. A little background while I'm Googling. Yes. Um, This book is a... Vance, right? J.D. Vance. It's his story of his childhood growing mm-hmm. up um, as a hillbilly. Absolutely. Um, and his point of view, he laughs because, you know, he's not old. And he's like, to write a memoir at my age. Right. He's like, I don't know if I can really call this a memoir. And he says that at the beginning because to him it didn't feel like a memoir. He's just wanting to open the curtains, say, on yes. what it's like to live as a hillbilly and and why people make the choices they do, the culture of a hillbilly. And it's almost like we're in this together. We're a community. You don't leave this community or you are out. Right. It's like if you think you're better than us, you go off to college. You go off and do that. Yeah. But you're not coming back. Yeah. You think you're better than us kind of mentality. There is that mentality. And so a, a lot of people don't leave. But at they the same stay. time, they want it. Like, yes. you want it for your children. You want them to do all the things. Uh-huh. 
But don't you forget where you came from. Absolutely. You don't think you're better than me. You're not better. And you, yeah. So as long as you can like be um, still come home and be like grounded. I don't know how else to call it. It's not really grounded. Right. But can, if you can walk, step back into because you really have to step out of it to become anything different. Yeah. Or more. But to, if you can step back into it when you're around them, then they'll then it's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think if you come back with all the things you've learned and all of that, it's very hard to swallow. Right. You're not yeah. going to change them. Right. No. So it There's was nothing very, wrong with the way we live. Right. It's kind of the... And there's really not. It's no. so fascinating. It's very much like family oriented, mm-hmm. right? Like we are all, we all look out for each other. You're going to say Grandma something bad about my mom. Oh, I'm going to punch you till you're bleeding in all the places. In the pharmacy. Isn't that one of oh, the, yeah, in the anywhere. pharmacy that it's like. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. Like yeah. you stand up for your loved ones. The worst mm-hmm. thing you could do. I think he tells a story about his um, uncle's. They say something about, like, a, a guy says something about their sister, so his mother at the time, mm-hmm. and they make him eat underwear. <laughs> like, stuff it into like, his mouth. You're going to talk about my sister, or you're going to eat underwear? Yeah. Like, that's the mentality. Like, you will go to all the extremes to fight for the things Defend that the you- Defend the people you love. Yes, absolutely. And then you've got JD, and he's- you know, his mom, he's raised by his grandmother and grandpa primarily, but he's really bouncing back and forth between their house and his mom's. Yeah. And sometimes his dad's, his dad has a different family. He's become like, um, there's a name for it, very religious where you kind of yell out loud and it's like you become enveloped in the spirit and causes you to feel all the things in you. So a very extreme form of, um, What's the word? Not religion, not just, but just right religion. And so he doesn't necessarily relate to that, but he still loves his dad and feels like he had a great example of like a stable family home when he was able to go and be with them and spend time with them. But it just wasn't very much. Yeah. And his mom had a new boyfriend all of the time and they would move in and they would get married and then they'd get divorced. And it was always short and it was very rocky and very right. unstable. And the way that they handled conflict was super unhealthy. Yeah. And some of those men he, like he bonded with yeah. a few of and others were awful. And it was just a cycle of yeah. men in and out of his life. And the thing he kind of talks about is this isn't just like, didn't start with his mom. That's just how these people deal with conflict. Yeah. It's very abrasive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you don't, you you run away when it's hard. You just hide until it goes away. And then you kind of hope that we don't ever talk about it again when we come back. And it's, so there's no real, um, like, getting, moving through the steps of conflict so that we can find resolution. And he found in himself how difficult it was to overcome those deep rooted lessons. Like that's just, that's all he knew. And so he would react that way. Even once he got outside of that culture, he still was reacting that way because it's what he knew. It was, it was innate for him. Those habits are hard to break. They are deep rooted. What we learn and how our brain. Right. Reacts to things. Yeah. So he goes and you watch it. You get, you learn all about his childhood and how he then, as he gets older, joins the army. No, he joined. He's one of the forces. I can't remember. Hmm. I don't remember. And does very well and learns so much there. Gives him structure. Gives him rules. Gives teaches him all these life lessons that he never mm-hmm. learned growing up. Right. 
and he goes back to school and tries to just goes to a state school and all of a sudden his eyes are open to maybe I want something bigger than this and ends up going to Harvard. Yeah, I believe so. And getting a lawyer becomes a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's trying to help those that are hillbillies. Like he just, you know, just, and he talks about being in this position now and how, and it's such a different culture for him. Like how his law office has a Christmas, you know, they do a Christmas charity where they take names off a tree and Mm -hmm. you can go buy Christmas for these other kids who don't have a Christmas that would have been him. Right. And how weird that is for him. To be on the other side. Yeah. And and I think I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, when he was looking at the items on the list for for purchasing for those um the kids in need, and it was listing something like pajamas, and he was like, We as we think kids need pajamas. No, you can sleep in anything. Yeah. Give them what they really need. No one needs a pair of pajamas. They or actually they think want. that's a ridiculous gift. Like, yes. what would I do with a pair of pajamas? No, they want the toy. They want, they want. Yes. Underwear, he even said. Yes. One of the biggest things, and even at the elementary school I'm at right now, we give out underwear all the time. Isn't that interesting? That is one of those basic needs that certain schools just supply themselves with that to be able to give out so that you have underwear. Underwear. Isn't that crazy? A basic need of underwear that people are going without. Yeah. And he kind of said, it's not like a, it wasn't like a choice. Like, oh, I'm not going to put on pajamas. It was like, you just fall asleep in whatever you have on. There's no structure to a bedtime or that we brush our teeth and we put our pajamas on and we read a book and then we go climb in our bed. No, no, there's just no structure. You fall asleep wherever you fall asleep. Wherever yeah. you are, like you, it in might whatever be on the you're couch, wearing, half eating food, like yeah. you don't put on pajamas. It's not yeah. that they wouldn't like them. It's just they it's don't. Not you, part it's not of a their conscious day. thing to go and put them on. Yeah. It, and that was the best part about it is he's so. Um, it's so. It's such a kind way of describing this different way of life that, like, I wouldn't necessarily relate to, and yet I felt right. like I was right there in their house with them. And like, I understood the choices they were making and why they made those choices, even though they wouldn't be choices that I would have made ever. I understood it. And, and that's why I love these kinds of books, right? Like we talk about this a lot, but I love being able to learn about other cult. It's a, it's a total different culture here in the United States. States. He talks about why they're Trumpers. He talks about like all of these things, you know, and like all the psycho stuff that goes into like the way they think they are Americans first and forever. Yeah. And I just love that. I'm like, there's parts of, of who they are that we need more of in the world, mm-hmm. but there's also things that we could help them improve in right. their own lives. But then they also on the other side are like, we don't need your help. No, Our life don't. is just fine. Yep. And that's where they say it's a society in, in crisis. Like they don't want anybody's help. Yeah. They are proud mm-hmm. and they are not, but yet. And they just don't know any different. They, and they don't know any different. And when we don't know different, it's scary. Absolutely. And we don't want to give up our tradition. And if our tradition is family, that's at jeopardy. Right. And what, if we change, that's what not do worth we lose? It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's such an interesting 
yeah. book. Well, I agree. He just writes really it so well, well from a really good point of view. And I did look it up, and he Hillbilly Elegy, just as a reminder of what we're talking about, it is a movie oh, that a came movie. out in 2020. Okay. So I have not seen it. I just remember hearing about it. Yeah, it's a. Now that I've read the book, I want. I really want to watch this. Yeah. Movie, you know, because his grandma was a very big figure in his life, and mm-hmm. I'm so interested to watch how that's all portrayed. How that's, so how they make it. Yeah. yeah. Such good books today. I know. Um, if you've read any of these or watched any of the movies or all the things, like there's yeah. a lot today. Let us know. A lot to talk about. I know. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us at this is your book club podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And we'd love to hear please from you. rate, subscribe, share. We love that. Thank you to Amphibious Zoo for our music. And we'll see you next time. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jamie. And, and this, this is, is your book club. club.